number 16. Luke chapter number 24, and for the essence of time and in sake of the time this morning, I'm not going to read a lot. Uh, what we're about to read is where Mary, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, has gone to the tomb early in the morning, and they have found that the Savior has indeed risen. The angel has given, the, given them the message, and now they have gone back to tell the disciples exactly what has happened. In chapter 24 of Luke, look down to verse number 11. The Bible says, this is when they told them, and their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. So watch what happens in verse number 12 this morning. The Bible says, then arose Peter. Now, Peter's heard the news that Christ has risen, uh, but he's got to find that out for himself. He needs to see that with his own eyes. The Bible says, then arose Peter and ran into the sepulcher, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed. Now watch this, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. Peter's come to the grave, and he has seen that Christ is indeed not in there. And as he walks out of the grave, headed back home, the Bible says he does something that I believe all of us need to do this morning. The Bible says that when he departed, he departed wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the privilege to be in your house today. Thank you for all of those that have joined us on such a special day. Father, I pray that your spirit has already moved, Lord, through the singing uh, Father, have the singing and the praise, Lord, for the fact that we do indeed today serve a risen Savior and that you arose conquering death, hell, and the grave for each and every one of us, Father, and for those, Lord, who've yet to trust Christ as their Savior, I pray that today would be that day, that, Lord, they would see the price that was paid and the victory that was won just for them. And I pray that, Lord, before the day is over, Lord, each one that's lost will be saved and the saved would be challenged to go and to live that resurrected life, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I sat on the couch this morning and looked out the window as the sun began to rise on Easter Sunday. And uh, boy, the past few weeks and months, as Brother Heath mentioned, have been uh, weeks and months of preparation. There's been a lot of preparation going into this day. I know at the household level, we have a lot of preparation going. You have family coming into town. You've got all of those new clothes to buy and to try on and make sure everybody matches for the Easter picture. That's going to be a lot of profile pictures today on social media, is it not? It's going to be our Easter pictures, and they all have to match just right. And we've been preparing the eggs. Uh, I know in the office, eggs have been pouring in all week for the Easter egg hunt we'll have here in just a few minutes. I think we're somewhere five, 6,000 eggs have poured in and all of those preparations have been made. And then Brother Nate and I, as we pass through the office, we have to sample a little bit of the candy that's gone in those eggs just to make sure that our kids are safe. That's a lot of work just in itself, sampling all of that. Uh, we had the backdrop for the Easter pictures going on out here Saturday. Uh, countless doors were knocked on. I mean, thousands of doors were knocked on in Hattiesburg inviting people to be a part of our Resurrection Sunday. Countless invitations were given out. And now here it is. It's Easter Sunday. As I sat there and I watched the sun rise, uh, thanking the Lord for the privilege to have Easter together again, I couldn't help but spin around there on my couch and praise the Lord for the privilege to be back in his house for Easter. But I'll tell you something that you're going to find out today. All of the work that went in today, and believe it or not, it's going to be over before you know it. All the preparation that went in today, all the practice and the music, all the work on the eggs and the Easter egg hunt and the outfits, all of that's going to be over before you know it. And tonight we're going to sit down on our couch and we're going to have that proverbial exhale. 
done, right? Let's be honest. That's what we're all going to do. We're all going to exhale just a little bit. But here's what I wonder this morning. In our haste to complete Easter, I wonder if we're really going to consider Easter. I'd like us to think about that just for a few minutes this morning. In our haste to get everything complete, we got up and we got the kids dressed and we matched. And boy, you look good this morning. I mean, I wish you looked this good every Sunday. I mean, some of you actually brushed your hair today and put on a little deodorant. Hey, I appreciate that very much. And, you know, used a breath mint. It's Easter Sunday. We're going all out and we're doing our best. And we put all of that preparation in and we're trying to get everything done and get all of our lists completed. And one by one, we're checking off all the things on our list. But in our haste to complete is Easter I wonder this morning, have we taken time to consider it? In the midst of all that we've had to do, I wonder, did we consider all that this day is really about? Now, I want you to notice what, what Peter did. The Bible says that when he departed, the Bible says that he was wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. Could it be that we go through these special seasons and these special holidays such as Easter and Christmas and all of the celebration and the things we do in light of these celebrations, could it be that we go through so much that we check those boxes just to get them done, not realizing what this day is all about? Could it be that we go through all of the motions of Easter and getting dressed and coming to church and we sing the songs and not truly realize and observe what the resurrection was all about and what it means to us? You know, if we're not busy, we get caught up in the mechanics of things, don't we? Look, we're good Baptist people. We are very traditional, and I, look, I love being traditional, and we go through the same motions every year. But this year, why don't it be the year that we do what Peter did? Let's consider what this is all about. Why are we celebrating the resurrection? Why was the choir singing what they were singing about? Because it could be that you're coming to church, you're going through the motions, not really understanding exactly what the resurrection should mean to you today. I heard a story years ago. My wife told it to me. It was when she heard from her preacher about how when a little girl was growing up, she would watch her mom, and she would cook a big, great big roast for Sunday lunch and invite all the family over. And every day, she would see, her mom would cook that roast. Her mom would always cut off a small section of the end, put it in another pan, and bake it separately. So the old girl grew up and had a family of her own, and she started inviting people over for dinner. She would always cook the roast. When she was preparing the roast, she would always cut off just a small portion of that roast, put it in another container, and bake it by itself on the side. One day, she invited her mother over. She says, Mom, I want you to come have lunch with me. And she started cooking the roast or preparing the roast. And her mom watched her cut off a small section, put it in another pan, and bake it by itself. And her mom says, Why do you do that? She says, Well, all those years, I've watched you do that. You always cut off a small piece of the roast, put it in another pan, and you baked it by itself. And because you did it, I just figured that's what you're supposed to do, right? That's the way you're supposed to prepare a roast. Cut off one little piece, put it in the pan, and bake it by yourself. And the mom says, honey, the only reason I did that is because my pan was not big enough to hold the roast. And so I had to cut it off to get it to fit and put it in another pan. Now, here was this young lady going through all of this trouble because that's what she had seen mom do, and she never really realized why she was doing what she was doing. Could we be guilty of that this morning? Could we be guilty of singing the songs, passing out thousands of invitations over the last two weeks, knocking on hundreds and hundreds of doors, inviting people to church? Could it be that even we as the people of God are going through this holiday not exactly understanding what it's all about? Peter decided he was going to wonder in himself at what was come to pass. Peter said, here's what I want to do. I want to see exactly what the resurrection means to me. You know, we read John 3, 16, for God so loved the what? 
the world. For God so loved the world. And we think about Jesus being that sacrifice for the entire world. But this morning, I want to zoom in just a little bit and get you to ask the question, what does a resurrection mean to you? For God so loved you. What does a risen Christ mean to you? What does the empty tomb mean to you? Because I'll tell you this morning, I believe oftentimes we go through the motions never quite realizing exactly what the risen Savior should mean to each and every one of us. And what I want to do this morning, briefly, I say that very loosely, but I'm going to try to be brief. I want to follow in Peter's example and take a minute to consider the risen Christ. I'd like you to consider that this morning. What does it mean to you? It means more than just eggs and fancy clothes and Easter pictures and family gatherings. This morning, let's consider the risen Christ. And my prayer is that you'll learn to observe exactly what it means before it's all over. Now, turn back, if you will, to Mark 16. This is where we're going to be for the message today. Mark chapter number 16, look down to verse number 1. We're going to jump in. I'm going to go as fast as possible. Uh, I heard a preacher tell me one time, he says, you keep up with the Holy Spirit and we'll keep up with you. Could we just agree with that this morning? I'll try to keep up with the Holy Spirit. You keep up with me and we'll get out there and we'll get those eggs before it's all said and done. Amen. Mark chapter 16, look at verse 1. The Bible says, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had bought sweet spices and they might come, that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. He saith unto them, Be not affrighted, but affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen, he is not here. Behold the place where they laid him, but go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him as he said unto you. Now notice what's exactly happening here. He says, he is not risen. The Bible says he was crucified, he is not here, he is risen. Now, who is the he that we're speaking about this morning? We're speaking about Christ. But I want to ask you this this morning, who was Christ? Now, we know Christ is the sinless Son of God, the holy sacrifice, the propitiation for our sins. We understand that's who he was. But I want to read something for you in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 to share with you exactly what Christ was for us. Listen close. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, the Bible says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. The Bible says that Christ, yes, he was the sinless, perfect son of God, but the Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ was made sin for you and I. Now, that doesn't mean he sinned. That means the burden and the penalty of sin was laid upon him. That when our father looked down upon him, look, he saw the sins of the world laid upon his shoulders. And so the Bible says that Christ was made sin for you and I. Now, stick with me if you would. The Bible says in 1 Peter that he bare in his own self our sins in his own body on the tree. So watch what's happening. Christ carried our sins to the cross. Thank God we couldn't carry them. Christ carried our sins to the grave. And then now that the tomb is empty, we see that Christ has carried our sins away. Now this is important this morning. It's very important that that tomb was empty. Why? Because Christ was made sin for us. He carried the sin to the cross. He carried the sin to the grave. And now when they look in, they see that he has carried the sin all away. Aren't you glad when they looked in the tomb, they didn't see the body of Christ? The one that was made sin for us is now gone, and the debt has been paid. Now, why is this so important for us? 
Isaiah 59, the Bible says that it was sin that separated us from God. Now stick with me, I want you to see this today. Oftentimes we celebrate the risen Savior, but we don't realize exactly what it means. He was made sin to be for us, and yet when you look in the tomb, he is gone. You know what that means this morning? That means that the sin that now stood between me and my Savior is gone, and I can be reconciled with God. Christ was made sin, and now the tomb is empty. That sin has been carried away. There's nothing in the tomb, which means there is nothing that stands between me being reconciled with God. Now hear me out. Do you know, listen, that our sin separated us from God, and there was nothing we could do to get rid of it? Good works wouldn't do it. Listen, baptism wouldn't do it. Synagogues can't do it. Listen, your grandmother couldn't pray you out of it. There was nothing that could separate, that could help us get rid of that separation of sin that stood between us and our God. That's why Christ had to bear it. And he carried it to the cross. He carried it to the tomb, and now the tomb is empty. And the first thing I want you to consider this morning is this. The resurrection granted us restoration. The resurrection of Christ granted to us that which we could not do for ourselves. That was restoration with God. Do you know all throughout history, ever since the fall of man, man has worked hard to be restored to God. I mean, go back all the way to the fall of man. There are pagan civilizations who built great temples and statues. What were they trying to do? Be reconciled to God. Fast forward to 2021. We've been out knocking a lot of doors the last couple of weeks, inviting folks to be a, a part of our church and be a part of our special service today. And while we have opportunity to visit with them, Brother Bo was my soul winning partner yesterday. I had the opportunity to share the Christ with several people. It's amazing when you ask people if you died right now, are you sure you'd go to heaven? And they say yes. And then I ask them the second question, why? Why are you sure that if you died right now, you're going to heaven? It's always amazing to hear the different answers that people give you of why they think they're going to heaven. Well, I'm a good person. The Bible says there's none good, no, not one. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works. That means the best efforts that we could put forth could not do away with the sin that separated us from God. That's why Christ had to come. Listen, if you could be good enough to go to heaven because of your good merit, then why did Jesus have to come and die? Look, he was the only one that could bear that load. A while back, Brother AJ took me to uh, the YMCA to work out. Uh, I guess he saw I was becoming that fat preacher that I always say I'm not going to become. And so he was taking me to the YMCA, and he says, all right, we're just going to do some free weights, some, uh, some of the steel weights that are there. And he walked over, and he picks up an 80-pound dumbbell in this hand and an 80-pound dumbbell in this hand, and he just starts bringing them up like this. And I look, I'm a beginner. I'm new to the gym. All right, so I figured I might better start off with something on more training wheels. And so I just, I started at the 80s like, nope, 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 nope. Finally, I got down to the 20s. I'm like, yeah, this is more my speed. And so Brother AJ's over there with the 80s just curling them like nobody's business. And I'm over there, I'm just wanting to tone a little bit, all right? I don't want big muscles. If I had big muscles, I'd probably be so prideful. And I don't want to be uplifted in pride. And so I picked the small weights just so I could tone and be a little bit healthy, Man, I went over there and I pulled on the 80s and I'm like, ain't happening. I couldn't bear that low. There's no way that I could pick that up and go back and forth. Now, I may be up to the 40s now, but I'm definitely not at the 80s. Do you know that's how our load of sin was? You couldn't bear it. You couldn't carry it. That's why Christ had to come down from heaven to bear our load in his own body, the Bible says. Carry them to the cross. He carried them to the grave. And the empty tomb says he's carried them away. 
You see, the resurrection grants us restoration with God, and it provides us that opportunity to be in right relationship with him. Because there's nothing you can do this morning. There's nothing you can do with your sin other than trust the payment of what Christ did on the cross for you. My first week as a pastor many years ago, and a lady in our church says, Brother Andrews, I'm going to the hospital in Jackson to have some tests run and get some test results. I'd like you to go with me and pray with me. I said, absolutely. And matter of fact, the lady had been a member of my dad's church uh, when he pastored the same church I did uh, about 15 years before. And we were sitting there in the waiting room and doctor comes out and sits down with us. And first week as a pastor, very, very green. And the doctor sits down and he says, I'm just going to be honest with you, it's cancer. Her countenance fell. He said, but look, we've got some great treatments and we're going to pour everything we've got into it and try to do away with this cancer. And so she began to go through this very intense regimen of, of, of chemotherapy. And round after round after round of chemotherapy, and she just kept sitting down with the doctor, and the doctor kept coming out, we can't touch it. We can't touch it. I mean, she's going through all of the sickness and all of the, the troublesome byproducts of the chemotherapy, and nothing the doctor could offer her could take away the chemo that was there. In about six months, she went home to be with her Lord. They did their best. I believe with all my heart they did their best. But their best was in vain. Nothing they had could touch the cancer that she had. Now, folks, I want you to understand there's, there's a greater sickness this morning than cancer. There's a greater sickness than the COVID-19 virus. There's a greater sickness, and it's called sin, and we're all born with it. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We were all born with that sickness, and it's something that our best can't touch it. You could come to church every day of your life. You could read through the Bible uh, every month of your life. Everybody could pray for you, and you could pray every day of your life. It's not going to do any difference. Why? Because our best efforts are in vain. Without sinless sacrifice coming to live and die and pay for our sin, there's no way we could be reconciled unto God. Listen, there is no reconciliation. There's no restoration without a resurrection. If Christ has not raised, the Bible says, if Christ has not risen, 1 Corinthians 15, 17, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain, ye are yet in your sins. If Christ did not rise from that grave, you and I would still stand this morning with a wall between us and God, unable to be scaled by the good works and the good deeds of our life. So what does the empty tomb show? What did the angel say here? Notice what the Bible says. Verse 6, be not affrighted. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. Now, here's what's happening. The angel is showing them what is not there. All right? How often do we say, hey, look at that. And we say, look at that. We're showing people something that is there, right? Most of the time. The angel's actually showing them something that's not there. Now, here's what you've got to see. The angel says, look, there's nothing here. Now, why is that so, so important? Because the sin that he bore to the cross and that he took to the grave, that he became sin for us, is no longer there. That means there's no longer anything that stands between me and having a right relationship with Almighty God. That's pretty special. Kind of makes you feel special, don't it? Some of you showed up here this morning and you didn't feel special. I mean, you didn't have a snazzy tie like I got. Maybe you didn't have the cologne that the other guys got and you just don't feel as special. Tell you what will make you feel special is to realize that the perfect sinless son of God came. He carried your sin to the cross, carried it to the grave. He carried it away. And now there is nothing standing between you having a relationship with the heavenly father. It's gone. 
He says, he is not here. He is risen. Behold the place where they laid him. Number one this morning, resurrection grants us reconciliation and restoration toward God. Many years ago in Switzerland, there was a church, the Mountain Valley Cathedral, who had a beautiful, beautiful pipe organ. And that pipe organ quit playing. You could hear that pipe organ all over the city, and it echoed off the mountains, just beautiful, beautiful organ music. And that organ fell silent. And they called in all these repairmen from all over the world to come and fix this very special antique organ, but there was nothing they could do to restore it back to where it needed to be. Several years later, a gentleman was walking through the city, and he asked someone, he says, where's the organ music? And I said, the organ is broken, and it's broken beyond repair. It can't be fixed. He says, would you mind if I gave it a shot? And I said, look, we've tried everything, but you're welcome to try. And so he went in, and he worked on it all day and didn't come out of the church and was in there the second day, never came out of the church, was in there on the third day, never came out of the church. And finally, in the afternoon of the third day, all of a sudden, the city was greeted with the beautiful organ music as it began to play again. And all the city converged upon that mountain valley church that was there, and they come to hear the music that was being played. And a little old gentleman walked out, and they said, how on earth did you fix it? Here's what he says. It was I who built this organ 50 years ago. I created it, and now I have restored it. Only the creator could restore it. He stepped up to do what was needed to be done, and finally on that third day, he walked out, and everything was the way that it needed to be. And can I tell you something? Even sweeter than the organ music that comes out of the Mountain Valley Church's organ is the news that on the third day that my Savior walked out of the tomb, and all of the great work that only he could do was done, and the tomb is empty, and now there is nothing that stands between me and having a relationship with Almighty God. I can be reconciled with God today. Don't try to scare me with how bad you are. Oh, it happens all the time. People say, well, you just don't know where I come from. You don't know what I've done. You don't know my past. You don't know my history. Listen to me. You don't know my Savior. He carried every sin to the cross. He carried it to the grave, and he carried it out of there. It's empty. There's nothing there, and there is nothing stopping you from having a right relationship with God today. Nothing. Nothing. Don't you try to say there's something. Nothing. He carried them far as the east is from the west. How far is that? I don't know. But it's a long way. Number one this morning. Understanding what Easter is all about is resurrection granted us restoration. But keep reading. Notice what he says in verse 6 again. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. Now we know Christ was made sin for us. He carried it to the cross, carried it to the grave, and now he's carried it away. But there's something else I want you to consider in 1 Timothy 2. Listen close. Verse 16, the Bible says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus, now listen to this, who gave himself a ransom for all. So not only was Christ made sin and carried the sin and carried the sin away, but the Bible says he was also made a ransom. I think we all know what a ransom is. We've all watched enough A-Team, right, growing up in the 80s? Yeah, we've watched enough of those shows to see somebody gets held hostage and they call Mr. T in there and they go, oh, they try to pay the ransom and rescue somebody. Here's what a ransom is. It's payment paid for the release of a prisoner. Do you know the Bible says that you and I, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God? That's not me saying that. That's the word of God. For all have sinned. We're all born sinners. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. Do you know what wage is? It's a payment. Sin comes with a price. The sin that I was born with, the sin that I have committed comes with a price. And the Bible says that price is death. But understand this. 
Nothing I can do could pay that price. That's why the Bible says in 1 Peter, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, the Bible says, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. You see, the only way the ransom could be paid is by a precious, sinless, spotless lamb. Now watch this. There's only been one. Now, what are those odds? I think I said this at Christmas. What are the odds that there would be a perfect sinless sacrifice? There's been only one. And then that perfect sinless sacrifice would voluntarily give up heaven to come down to earth to bear the sin to the cross, to the grave, so that we could be saved. And yet it, it happened. That's exactly what Christ did for us. Now notice what the angel is saying. He is not here. He is risen. Do you know what the empty tomb is telling us? Watch close. He was a ransom. The empty tomb is telling us the payment has gone through. The payment has been approved. Have you ever, have you ever signed up for credit? You ever go get credit for something? Or I think we probably all have, unless you're just you know, independently wealthy and you pay cash for everything. You, know, you go and you apply for credit, and oh, it just stings a little bit, doesn't it, when it comes back declined? Some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. You are lying in church. Shame on you. Have you ever gone to Walmart and, you know, you haven't kept up with that balance and, boy, you, you swipe the old visa there and it says declined and you're looking around and you come up with every excuse under the sun. <laughs> I don't know why that's that way. I got plenty of money. No, you don't have plenty of money in there. You had not kept up with it. You spent it on stuff you didn't need and that's why you're broken. You can't buy your groceries. And, man, you get kind of embarrassed. Why? Because the payment was not accepted. The empty tomb says this, payment accepted. Why? Why? Watch this. you got to see this. Christ was the ransom. He was the payment. And now the empty tomb says the Father who required payment because God is just. He's not going to overlook sin or sweep it under the rug. Sin demands a payment. We couldn't pay it. The only time we could pay it is eternity in hell. Christ says, I love them too much for that. I'm going to go pay for it for them. And when the tomb was emptied out, it means, watch this, the payment was accepted by the Father. Number two, the second thing I want you to consider about the risen Christ, resurrection secured our redemption. Resurrection, resurrection secured our redemption. It means Christ paid the price and the Father accepted it. Do you know when someone accepts an offer from you, I think everybody's probably done eBay. Some of you probably too much, right? You go on eBay, boy, you see this stuff, man, I just got to have that. And it says this much or best offer. We all done that before? Got a bunch of cheapskates in here, aren't we? And we try to lowball the offer, and all of a sudden you'll get an email back, not accepted. You know, you're trying to buy a new car, and you're offering them $1,000, and they're like, not accepted, not sufficient, insufficient. Several years ago, I was on, uh, on a site, a Disney World site, we're Disney World people, and I was on this site, and I saw where they were auctioning off parts of Disney World. We're talking about genuine, authentic, from day one, opening day parts of Disney World. And, and I wanted several of them, but I couldn't afford them. One of the things I wanted was the doors off of a building called uh, the confectionery that they have. There's Upton Jewelers, but it's really the confectionery where you buy all of your goodies. I think I have a picture of it. I'll show you this morning. I think I have a picture of Leslie and I standing in front of those two doors. Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. So there we are. So they had these doors, I don't know, they're about, uh, about eight feet tall, pretty glass in the middle, and the auction price for those doors started at $2,000 a door, and you had to buy two at a time. 
And so I was already out of the league. I didn't even have the opening bid. I was not going to offer that, but I really wanted those doors. And so, you know, you have not because you ask not. And so I emailed the company that was auctioning them off. I says, look, I says, I can't pay $2,000, but I'll give you $200. I mean, it doesn't hurt to ask. I'll give you $200 for one door. I couldn't afford two doors at 200. I can only afford one at 200. And uh, so I made the offer. And uh, one morning we're, we're laying in bed and uh, Leslie gets an email and she says, what does this mean? And I says, what does what mean? You know, you got to be careful. You know, your wife has access to those accounts. Be careful. It said offer accepted. I says, what offer? Because I made a few. <laughs> Was it the piano? It has a piano from Main Street, USA. I wanted to buy it for my wife. It went over $12,000. There's no way I could afford that. So I says, what offer was accepted? She says, well, which offer have you made? So I just, you know, just check. Just check. <laughs> and um, she says, you won some doors. And boy, I couldn't believe it. I went back, checked the email, and it says, your offer has been accepted. I mean, there's no way I could. There's no way I could afford it for two thousand. I offer offer two hundred. The only catch was I had to go pick them up. So I printed off the receipt, hopped in the truck. We drove all the way down to Florida. I pulled up to the place, walked into the auction house. I says, "I'm here for my door." He says, "Which door?" I says, "The door from Main Street USA. The original doors are on Upton Jewelers. I bought them." He says, "Do you remember how much you paid for them?" I says, two hundred dollars." He started laughing at me. He says, sir, I'm sorry. There must be some mistake. I said, sir, I just drove 600 miles. There's no mistake. I plopped the receipt down on the desk. I says, here's a receipt. My offer was accepted. The payment went through. You took the money out of my account. That door's mine. He says, sir, somebody made a bad mistake. I says, it wasn't me. <laughs> not me, man. I mean, look, I drove 600 miles. I'm not going home without those doors or at, without that door. We're sitting there, and the man puts his, his head in his hands like this. He says, oh, my gosh, I can't believe we've done this. He said, those doors, that's a part of history. He said, they were there on opening day, and he says, we had them for $2,000 a door. I mean, we expected the price to go through the roof. And I said, hey, man, I get it. I get it, but I'm here for my doors. <laughs> I didn't want him to circle around and lose me, all right? It, my wife does that all the time. She talked to me a while, and I didn't forget what we were talking about. He wasn't going to get me off track. <laughs> I'm here for my doors. I said, here's the receipt. I have proof of my purchase. I'm here for my doors. He says, look, man. He says, I got to sell both of them to you. He says, well, you pay 200 for the other door. I says, look, I just left Disney World. I don't have $200 left. He said, how much can you offer me? I went out to the truck, and I said, Leslie, how much money do we have left? She says, okay, after gas money, we have a $100 bill. That was for food and all, but you know, if you drive fast enough during the night, everybody sleeps, and you don't need food. I walk back in, I put $100 on the table. I says, I want the other door, but all I have is $100. He puts his head back in his hands. He says, sir, take the doors and just go. I got another picture I'll show you right quick. Uh, there's the doors at my house. Now, don't come rob my house, all right? They're gonna go, one day when I build a house, they're going in my house. Please don't come rob my doors, but they're at my house. All because, watch this, my payment was accepted. It was accepted. Now, folks, can I tell you something this morning? The empty tomb is your spiritual receipt that the payment's been accepted. 
He said, sir, do you have some kind of an evidence uh, of the fact that you can take these doors, that you can redeem these doors and take these doors with you? I plop the receipt down. There's my evidence that I get to redeem those doors. They get to go home with me because the payment went through and the payment was accepted. Now, folks, can I tell you, that's what the empty tomb is for you. The empty tomb is your evidence, listen, that the payment was accepted of God. Do you know when a payment is made, it comes out of the account, right? Are you with me? When the payment is made, it comes out of the account. That means, hey, they took the price out of there. Now, what is the tomb? It's empty. Do you know why? Because the payment was taken out of the account, and it's all clear. Paid in full. Watch. I have redemption. I've been redeemed. He bought and paid for me, and the Father accepted that payment. Now, folks, this morning, some of you are sitting here, and you don't have, feel like you have a whole lot of self-worth, but I want you to know the perfect, sinless Son of God gave his life for you as a ransom for your sin. And you're thinking there's no way that he would do that for me because of who I am. Romans 5, 8, the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And you're thinking there's no way that payment went through. The empty tomb says it did. Payment has cleared the bank. Titus 2.14, the Bible says, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity. Could you help me define the word all? What does all mean? Well, you just don't understand where I've come from. You don't understand my background. You don't understand the things I've done, things that I'm ashamed of that I can never even tell my spouse. doesn't matter. The Bible says that he redeemed us from all iniquity. Why? Because his payment was sufficient. And the father withdrew the payment, and the tomb is empty. Why? Because it was accepted of him. Luke 15, we read the parable of the lost sheep. I'm going to hurry. Luke 15, we read the parable of the lost sheep of the man who had a hundred, and one of them runs off. Now, you know, if it was up to me, I would say, I have 99, one run off. That one deserves what he has coming. I'm just going to keep the 90 and 9. But no, the Bible says that that shepherd goes out and he roams the hills and he calls and he tries to find that one sheep. He's willing to do what is needed in order to redeem that sheep. He's willing to pay whatever price it was. And there is our good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. Why? All that we could be redeemed. I don't know how many times in my life Satan has reminded me of my sin. He does it often. Satan has a great memory. That's why, by the way, it's important you don't give him something to work with. He'll be glad to remind you of all the things you give him to remind you about. But you know what we call it when someone pays a debt and someone makes up what we come short? What do we call it? We call it being, it's been covered. It's been covered. A while back, uh, some of the men in our church bought me a very nice gun. And I didn't know that it was bought. I just know that they had located one for me. And I went over to, uh, to pedal to pick the gun up. I went to the counter and I said, hey, uh, you're supposed to be holding a gun for me to come by and to buy. And uh, the gentleman put it up on the counter and I said, okay, what's the bottom line? He said, it's covered. I said, no, look, don't be, don't be jerking me around, all right? Don't get my hopes up. He says, no, the price has been covered. I said, well, what was the price? He told me what the price was. I said, there's no way that was covered. He goes, yeah, some guys from your church got together and they bought you a gun. Just walk out of here with it. I said, just like walk out of here with it. I got a picture of my wife. I wish I'd have showed him that picture. My wife's standing there with an AR-15. I'm talking about, you never, look, you don't want to mess with my wife to begin with. Her with an AR-15, don't mess with her, all right? She's standing there holding, and I just walked right out with it. Do you know why? It was covered. It was covered. The price was paid, and it was free. That's why the Bible says that salvation is a free gift. 
because the price was paid and accepted of the Father. And look, when Satan comes to remind you of your sin, you know what you need to remind him? It's been covered. My Father sent his only begotten Son, and my sin is covered. So number two, the second thing to consider about the risen Christ, his resurrection secured our redemption. Finally, I want you to look to verse 7. And I want to give you this before we have invitation. The Bible says in verse 7, the angel told them this, but go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. Now watch this. There shall ye see him as he said unto you. The angel says, I want you to go tell his disciples that he's going before you into Galilee and there ye shall see him. Now do you know if Christ had remained in the grave, there's no way, watch, there's no way he could meet them there. But because the tomb was empty and Christ had risen from the grave, that means there's a promise that they get to see him again. Are you following me this morning? Number three, the third thing and the final thing I want you to consider about the resurrection is the resurrection promised a reunion. The resurrection promised a reunion. Because Christ rose from the grave, watch this, there's a promised reunion for those who've trusted Christ as their Savior. Turn with me one time real quickly to 1 Corinthians 15. One more time. Turn to the back of your Bible a little bit. 1 Corinthians 15. I want you to see this and we're done. 1 Corinthians 15. Look down if you would to verse number 54. Verse 55. Let's go to 55. The Bible says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice there's no sting in death anymore. Why? Because the Bible says the sting of death is sin. But wait a minute, Christ did away with sin, so there's no sting anymore, you know? The stinger's been taken out. They can't hurt you anymore. Death cannot hurt you. And there is a promised reunion that the risen Savior says in John chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. What is that? That's a promised reunion, that because Christ rose from the dead, I'm not going to stay dead. I've got a date with the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, I've got an appointment with my Savior, and it's going to last all eternity. Why? Because the tomb was empty, and I'm not staying there either. The trump of God is going to sound. The Bible says, 1 Thessalonians 4, and the dead in Christ shall rise. Oh, our church has gone through a lot this year. I think we've had six or seven funerals, six in the first six weeks of January. And all oh, those times at those gravesides would be chilling moments if that tomb wasn't empty. Oh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 gives us a promise that he's coming back. There's a reunion. I'm looking forward to it. Matter of fact, I'm sitting on the couch last night and some redneck went down the road and sat on his horn and just for a brief moment, I thought that might be it. I really did. I mean, the world we're living in, you don't know. I'm telling you, assume the position. I'm going to go like Superman. If he will give me a heads up, some of you are just going to be flailing through the air when you go up. I'm going to assume the position. We're out of here. I'm looking forward to it. I thought it was coming. I was a little disappointed. Because I got my wife and daughter good Easter presents this year. And I thought, man, those people that ransacked my house because the world's going to be in tribulation, those people, they're going to get all my Easter presents. I was kind of disappointed about that. But I was more excited looking forward to the reunion. 
I have a promised reunion. Why? The tomb couldn't hold him, and it's not going to hold me. Now, folks, understand this. The empty tomb means a lot to us this morning. The death, listen, the grave, the tomb, the stinger is gone. Why? Because Christ rose from the grave. And now we have Titus 2.13. The Bible says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can I ask you, do you, do you look forward to the reunion or have you yet to make your reservation? Oh, you can make a reservation this morning. You say, well, you don't understand. No, 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 you don't understand. The debt has been paid. We have been reconciled to God. Sin is gone. The tomb is empty. Nothing stands between you being reconciled with God today. Nothing. Do not try to throw up your sin in the face of God. I can't be saved because of this. It's an affront to the resurrection of Christ because he carried that sin away. And then he was a ransom. You look in the grave and the payment is gone. Why? Because the payment was accepted. We can be redeemed. You can be redeemed this morning. And finally, you can look forward to that promised reunion. All because death couldn't hold him and death can't hold you if you've put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, this morning, would you consider the risen Christ? He did all the work. The sin's been covered. The debt has been paid. Death has been defeated. And all that he asks of us is to receive it. Do you know, when I was getting ready to leave that gun store, the gun was paid for me. Somebody had covered it. And all I had to do was pick it up and walk out of the store. Felt kind of weird. Just to pick it up and walk out without, yeah, just look, it's already been paid. But I had to choose to receive it. And this morning, your debt has been paid. Sin's been defeated. The ransom's been covered. The question is, are you going to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? If you're here this morning and you have received Christ, can I ask you, are you living a resurrected life? There's nothing that can keep you from a right relationship with God even after you're saved. The old phrase, well, the devil made me do it. The devil can't make you do nothing. The devil only does what you let him do. Why? Because sin's been defeated. Nothing can keep you this morning as a Christian from a right relationship with God. So why don't you claim the victory through Christ this morning? Let's stand, heads bowed, eyes closed. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I want to ask you a question. Listen close this morning.